0: looking at a lot of the difficulties that arose from Abraham's relationship with Sarah and Hagar, and then we looked at the Ishmael-Isaac relationship, and we looked even a little bit at Esau and Jacob on one occasion. And so what I'd like to do this evening is look at Joseph as he's down in Egypt. Now this is a gentleman that has uh, faced a lot of controversy in his family and his brothers, if you can believe it, sold him to be a slave. Now last week we were on something totally different because we were teaching on the atoning blood of Jesus. very good study on the blood, but tonight I want to get right back over here into Genesis and and look at these families, and the reason I've been looking at them with such detail is to show you that even with failures, flaws, and defects, God still had a covenant with them and God still used them. So before we put halos on their head and think they were so unique, let's never forget that what God did with them, for them, to them, and through them He'll do the same with us, despite all of our failures and our flaws. He doesn't approve of our failures, nor does he endorse our failures, but in spite of ourselves, he continues to bless us and use us. And that's a wonderful thing to know. So here in Genesis 39, I want to start with verse number 1, and we'll just slowly go through this. And Joseph was brought down to Egypt. And Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites. Those are his cousins, remember, of Ishmael, which had brought him down thither. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. And Joseph found grace in his sight and served him, and he made him overseer over his house, and all that he had he put into his hand. Okay, Joseph was the beloved son of Jacob. Jacob's wife Rachel died while giving birth to Joseph's little brother, Benjamin. Joseph's siblings, the majority of them were the children of Leah and the concubines. So Jacob's love and his affection was primarily transferred to Rachel, but yet he still didn't think it a problem to go in and spend a few evenings with these other ladies. So Joseph grew up in an environment where the children of the lesser-loved women ended up not liking him too well. And, of course, the Bible says Joseph would often bring to his father the evil report. So they saw him coming one day. They threw him in a pit. Then they sold him for however many pieces of silver, 30 or whatever pieces of silver it was. But in verse 39, it tells us where he went. Now, Egypt, of course, in the Bible is often a symbol of bondage because of the children of Israel's 400-year stay there. Potiphar, who was an officer working in the palace, he was a native Egyptian. They had their own language that was different from Hebrew, and we know that because later when Joseph's brothers come and they find him there, before they found him there, Joseph was talking with the Egyptian people in their language, and he was also speaking with his brothers in their language before they knew who he was. So this Egyptian man who purchased him brought him to Egypt. Now it's a it's a, it's a terrible thing to have to think of slavery in any form, but I want to remind you, and I've told you this on several occasions, all ancient cultures and civilizations had slaves. If you didn't have slaves, it was either because you were too weak to get some, or you were too isolated, or you didn't have the ability to conquer some other foe, or you were already enslaved. But in ancient times, the stronger would overpower the weaker and then subjugate them in a variety of different ways. Joseph came down to Egypt, even though his status is that of a slave, let's not forget that though a slave, he still has a covenant with God through Abraham. So his status doesn't affect the covenant. And this is why the Scripture says the Lord was with Joseph. No matter where you go, no matter what the status of your life, gainfully employed or unemployed, if you are a believer in God and have a covenant with him, don't you think God will be with you? Yeah, wherever you are. So whether we're in Webster County or whether we're in Perkins County or whether we're in some other county, if we have a relationship with God, we can be encouraged despite our current circumstances. And I don't think Joseph was too happy about being sold. That's what I'm getting at. And you probably have had a number of times in your life where you weren't happy about the present hand you had been dealt. And you probably wanted to ask God plenty of times, why did you permit me to have to pass through this? Now, he goes through two decades of this because he's 17 when he's sold, 39 or so when everything finally comes together. But if you've ever had to battle anything for more than a minute <laughs> and you didn't like it, then, of course, you realize, you, you, you eventually you start saying, well, God, how long am I going to have to put up with this? How long am I going to have to deal with this? Especially if it's someone you don't like, if it's a job you don't like, if it's an environment you don't like. And this is Joseph. He's been taken away from his family. He's been taken away from his dad who loved him. He's been stripped of the one thing that proved his father's love for him, the coat that he had, his brothers took it. He don't know what they did with it. He has no idea what story they told. But what the Scripture does tell us is that Joseph's brothers lied to their father and sat down every day with them for the next 20 years, leaving Jacob to believe his son had been killed by a wild animal. I mean, that, that's something. That, that's really something. For sons to be able to sit there and have one meal after another with dad, with mom, and then know that they're not telling the truth. But verse 2 again, God was with Joseph, and the Bible says he prospered. Now you would wonder how in the world could a person be a slave and prosper. It told you how he prospered. God gave him favor. So even in a status As a slave or an indentured servant or as an employee, the Lord can prosper you so that the ones you're working for can recognize what God is doing in your life. And you've probably seen this before where the employee does better sometimes than the employer, better decisions. And if they're faithful to God, the Lord will bless them. But in this case, Potiphar's, all of everything related to his vocation, was blessed because of Joseph. So I'm under the impression that there are a lot of agencies in America, a lot of departments in America that may be headed by pagan people, heathen people, but because there are Christians working there, God is still helping those folks because the Christians are there. I believe that. And whether it's an insurance agency, a bank, or anything else, I have no doubt that there have been plenty of businesses that have prospered because of the presence of a Christian. Yeah. And over time, sometimes the employers can see the blessing that has come to them because of a Christian. I was reading a story here not too long ago about a gentleman who started a church in France in 1920. And he started it with nine people, and only three of them were Christian. And over the next 10 years, the church grew to more than 430 people. They never did an outreach. They never went out street witnessing or passing out tracts. He didn't try to go on radio for that time as it was developing. In his testimony, he said, the people in the church had such a heart to tell friends and family members that people were constantly coming. But he, he tells about how he would go out and he would go to different businesses and introduce himself to the leaders of the businesses in the community, just so they would know who he was and he could have an opportunity to uh, get to know them. He said in the process there was one of the young ladies in his church that took a job working at a factory. She was on the assembly line, and there were a whole lot of other people on the assembly line with her, but her boss noticed that she was the one always keeping up with what we'll call her quota, and and she got there early, sometimes stayed late, always had a happy disposition. The boss asked her, what is it about you that makes you different from all of these other workers who I can't get to even complete their tasks each day? She said, well, I'm a Christian, and I go to such and such church. Well, he came back to her after about 30 days, and he asked a question. He said, do you have anybody else in your church that is looking for work. And she said, yeah, I know of several others that are looking for work. So she told them they came, got a job. So now this man is watching as the production in the assembly line is going up quick, It's going up higher, and he finally asked her again, do you have anybody else in your church that can come here? So pretty soon she had anywhere from... Fifteen to twenty people from her church working there over several years, and the man's business prospered. Why? Not because he was a sinner, but because they were Christian. Sometimes the one that walks with God prospers under the hand of the one that has no knowledge of God. And that's what happened with Joseph. So whatever it is that you do in life, expect... God to favor you despite who's over you. Now, if, if, if you were a government employee, whether it was for city, county, state, federal employee, you know as well as I do, there are plenty of people in positions that are ungodly. But here is what you've got to pray about. Because a lot of times people say, well, you know, I'm a Christian. I just don't want to be caught up in all of that. if we abandon every secular arena, then the devil owns it. He has it lock, stock, and barrel. But what you have to pray about is, Lord, is this where you want me plugged in? And if this is where you want me, then you have to show me how to be a light in the midst of this place. Now Joseph wasn't running around telling everybody about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as far as the text says. But his lifestyle let everybody know that he believed in God, the choices that he made, the decisions that he made. So verse 3, his master saw that the Lord was with him. So the heathen man could see that God was walking with him. And I don't have a doubt that people that work with you, They can tell you love God. They can tell you have a relationship with God by the decisions you make, by the conversation you have, by your conduct, they can see it. And then in verse three, the Lord made everything he did to prosper. In the New Testament, for us that are Christians, this is what it says Whatsoever you do in the name whatsoever you do, do all in the name of the Lord. So if you're doing something in the name of the Lord, expect it. To prosper, expect God to keep you and to bless you and do it even when you've got to go solo. He didn't have his brothers here who believed in God. He didn't have anybody else in this house that believed in God. Can you do it alone? Can you stand by yourself when there's nobody else standing with you? Or are you the kind of Christian that requires a crowd? You don't need a crowd. You need faith in God, and if the Lord is with you, the Lord will cause you to prosper. And when he does, everybody else will be able to see it. Now, I wish uh, I I had the boldness to do it, but I know I probably never won't. But all the years that I've been here, here in Hebron, it, it would be interesting to you, if if I stood up one day and just told you about how I've seen families prosper in the 20-some-odd years that we've been here and how God has taken people from here to there just in their walk with God. And I've had a front-row seat to a lot of it just watching, you see. And through the Scripture... We're able to see this with Joseph because the Bible tells us how God did it with Joseph. Now, for you that I haven't known since you were small, you can look at your own life and think about how God has blessed you from the time you were younger, your teenage years, your young adult years, until today. You couldn't have done that on your own, but you had a covenant, and that covenant worked regardless of of what country you were in, what city you were in, and who you were working for. Yeah. So Potiphar wasn't the strongest leader. If you've ever worked for a weak leader, by weak I mean a person doesn't like confrontation. See, But yet God still is able to bless you and prosper you as he did Joseph. So verse 4, Joseph found grace in his sight. We find that same language with Noah. He found grace in the eyes of the Lord, and Joseph served him. Joseph did not get mad because he was working for this Egyptian man. And we can learn a lesson here. I've seen many Christians quit a good job because they fall into this belief that God has called me to be the head and not the tail. And I ought to be my own entrepreneur. I to have my own business. And I ought to do that. Well, you ought to. I guess you could. But you've got to have the discipline. You've got to have the wisdom to do that. If you don't, then those things will fall apart. However, you can work under someone and still be the head because of how God prospers you. That's what we have here in this story. He served him, and he was promoted and made overseer. That means he had the oversight of everything in his house. Basically, Joseph became Potiphar's chief of staff. He handled everything, the economy of the house, stewardship of the house. He handled staff relations. He probably was involved with hiring and letting people go. A Hebrew man working in Egypt, and he was a shepherd, and Egyptians thought that shepherds were unclean. That's what the Bible says later when Jacob meets Pharaoh. But this man was promoted, and it shows you and teaches us clearly that God can bless you wherever you are. And even if other people want to see you pushed down and not succeed like Joseph's brothers, if God has to remove you for a season to bring you over here to make you the head and then restore you unto the ones who were opposed to you, you may not like the path, you may not like the adventure, but it will come to pass. So Joseph had a dream, and his dream basically said, I'm going to be the head, and you're not. His problem was he was telling everybody. Yeah, so that would be like somebody in your family having a dream that uh, they're going to have a better house than you, they're going to have better clothing than you, they're going to have more money than you, they're going to be stronger than you, and then they're letting you know it, and then it's, and then, and then, and then. So get ready to serve, okay? you You wouldn't be too happy about that at all. But if it's of God, then despite your recklessness and despite your character flaws, it's probably still going to come to pass unless you make some terribly bad decisions. So everything that was under the control of Potiphar, the last sentence of verse 4 says, he put into Joseph's hand, into Joseph's hand. So Joseph obviously was a quick study, quick study. And this is how everything came to him. If he didn't have the mind to do it, they would not have put him in a position of power. Now, some of you know that for at least, I'd say, now at least 23 years, I've been trying to get any farmer, some farmer, to hire me. And after 23 years of vain attempts, I still hadn't found anybody that would be a taker on this volunteer labor that I'm trying to offer. Well, that's God's protection for me. Certainly God's protection for them. But but listen, if if I had the mind to do it, don't you know God would prosper me in that, and they would be able to see that I had that ability? But obviously there are people who can see that ability is not there. See? Right. It, absolutely. Imagine, imagine me imagine me in a rodeo. wouldn't be pretty at all. Eight seconds is all I would need to stay on that animal. I don't think I could even make it to eight seconds, though. I, I don't think I could. Look at verse 5. It came to pass from the time that he had made him overseer in the house and over all that he had, that the Lord blessed. Blessed what? The Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. So think about that. Think of the people that are blessed, have been blessed in your past because of you. Think about that. Consider the people that you've come in contact with through the years They don't even understand that they're blessed because you were connected with them. That's how it was with Abraham and Lot. Both of them were rich with cattle and silver and gold. Lot's blessing was directly connected with Abraham because when he separated from Abraham and pointed his tents toward Sodom and Gomorrah, The next time we read about him, he's sitting in the gate of Sodom and Gomorrah, and it doesn't say anything about him having cattle. And when he finally was delivered by the angel, and he's coming out running for his life with his wife, it doesn't say he was driving any cattle out of there. So sometimes our blessings are yoked to the people that truly have a covenant with God and have a relationship with God. And we see this in households many times. You have a, a spouse that truly loves God, but let something happen to that spouse and she passes or he passes. Then pretty soon the other one, now that they're separated from that, they're not even interested in God anymore or the church anymore. And generally people don't know this until the separation comes. You take children, children that can come up in the house of God and be strong and be faithful because they're connected to their parents and generally have a joy of going to church and reading the Bible and have a relationship with God. But when they step out on their own sometimes, the temptations are so great that their decisions now lead them away from the things that formerly attracted them. So where they were prosperous over here, the decisions that they're making are taking all of those gains away from them. So this Egyptian house, was blessed because of Joseph. And of course, you know that Christ is our heavenly Joseph, so surely we all know that our homes are blessed because of him. This man, Joseph, was a descendant of Abram. We too are descendants of Abram by faith. We're not naturally Jewish which means that just like this Egyptian, we're Gentiles. But we invited a Jewish man into our life. His name was Jesus. And when that Joseph came into our life and we committed everything that we own to his hands, look at how we've been blessed because of it. Yeah, think about that. Look at how blessed we are because of it. So the scripture then says, And the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. Everything. Now I'm going to make a wild statement and just say that your field is any and everything that's under your sphere of influence. Like Joseph and Potiphar, we should believe that everything under our control is blessed. Yeah. If the heavens don't bring forth rain, our fields are still blessed. Gas is upwards of four, five, six dollars in different places. But you know what? We are still blessed. One of the things I've often thought about when prices go up and all of this, I I just praise the Lord that I still have money to put gas in the tank. Now, I I do see people from time to time at the gas station, and it looks like they're cussing as they're putting it in there, and they're angry and they're upset, and, and, and rightfully so because of what's taking place. Produce in the market going through the roof. Construction costs for woods and metals going through the roof, but yet interest rates on savings accounts and CDs pretty much at a standstill. But our fields are blessed because we have a covenant with God, and if God has to bring in ravens to bring us meat, he's going to take care of us. Now, Tiffany and I met with uh, a person one time, and they were trying to walk us through all the conspiracies taking place in these last days, and how there's five or six families on planet Earth that are controlling everything. And they're walking through all of this. And and I sat there listening, and the whole time I kept thinking, what in this edifies me or the one telling me this? And they're talking about the vaccines and how they'll kill you and how the people are going out of their way to to create these vaccines that will control you and mess up your DNA. And I'm listening to that, and I'm thinking to myself, All of this inspires fear. It doesn't inspire confidence in God. Not one time when I've had to sit through a discussion with people going through that, have I ever walked away saying, this makes me trust God more and more. But very often it's all fear. It's all fear. But Joseph, if anybody had a reason to be afraid, would have been him. But the man had a covenant, and he had faith in God, and he was in a foreign country. And I think regardless of whether people think Warren Buffett or Bill Gates or whoever else, with all of the billions of dollars they have are in control and have a whole lot of money and influence, I'm telling you, I know someone personally who has a whole lot more money than they have, and that's God. The Bible says he has the cattle on thousands of hills. Yeah. If there's resources in this earth, gold, silver, oil, and other precious things like that, he put them in there. He put them in there. And he can make anyone discover what needs to be discovered, and if there isn't anything up under that earth, he can snap his fingers and make something appear. So here we are sitting on top of possibly the largest aquifer you know, in the United States, but yet you still hear people terrified about the possibilities of climate change and poisoned water and running out of water. And I sit back and listen to all of that, and I think God has been controlling this ball of wax for thousands of years. He is not going to let a handful of people on Capitol Hill destroy it, and certainly not going to let us destroy it. Because the Bible says, as long as the earth remains, there will be seed time and harvest. I mean, that, that's one job I know that's always going to exist on planet earth, farming. It's always going to be here, sowing and reaping, as long as the earth remains. So what I do with the Word of God, in sowing the Word of God and expecting a harvest, I've got job security too. Because wherever there's sin, there's the need of a Redeemer. And wherever a Redeemer is needed, a preacher or teacher of the gospel is necessary. Let me give you just a little more. So verse 6, he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, And he didn't even know everything he had except the bread which he did eat. And Joseph was a goodly person and was well favored. Now here is a man that really is trusting. The only thing he concerned himself with was coming every day to sit down at the table and eat. He so trusted Joseph as a steward that he believed that man would handle all of his affairs. I pray God would provide you with those kind of people. Yeah. That even when you grow older, that you can put your affairs in the hands of someone and you don't have to be worried about whether or not they're trying to push you over the cliff so they can get all that stuff, or, or, or whether or not they're trying to rob you or cheat you. Yeah. But... To be able to go about your business, and only thing you have to do is worry about—if you're going to call it worry—only thing you have to concern yourself with is your next meal. I mean, that's pretty good life, isn't it? Just go, you know, go in and out and and, and here and there, and the only thing you have to worry about is what kind of ribeye you're going to eat, what kind of what kind of cut of beef you're going to eat the next time, what kind of pork you might want, or something like that. This man had a Joseph. And I want you to know you have one and I have one also. And if we commit all of our fears in the hands of the Lord, the scripture makes it very plain that he'll give us the desires of our heart and he will control our plans and our purposes if we allow him to guide us. So Proverbs 3 is very clear about seeking God and taking our plans and bringing them to God. And when you do that, then you don't have to worry about tomorrow, and you don't have to be concerned about a five-year plan or a ten-year plan. It's good to think about the future, of course. Nothing wrong with that. Jesus gives several parables about that, but you don't have to worry. And that's the difference. There's a difference between worrying about something and then being a person with foresight wisdom. So if you have wisdom, then, of course, you're thinking about what's coming down the road. But if you're a worrying person, that doesn't necessarily mean you're actually trying to fix anything. You're just rolling stuff around in your head. And worry tends to lead people into fear. And fear is faith, but in a reverse kind of a way, because you're expecting something bad to happen. So you're believing. You're expecting something bad to happen, and it hasn't even happened yet, but yet you're expecting it. That's not what God wants of us. He wants us to be able to be like Joseph, to be able to handle everything that's placed in our hands. I'd love to be able to be like that. It would be nice to be multi-talented like that. Joseph was raised as a shepherd. I don't even know if he knew he would be able to handle these kinds of affairs. So sometimes you won't know what gifts and talents you have until the person who has purchased you puts you in a position where you now have to do it. So the Scripture says we are debtors to the Lord Jesus Christ. So I'm teaching and preaching today, but what are you going to do 10 years from now? I am farming. See, that'd be different. I'm not, excuse me. (laughs) I'm not expecting any change of occupation, I'm telling you that. But, But here's the thing. We don't always know what gifts and skills we have until we're presented with something new. And some people don't like newness. They don't like change. They like things comfortable. They don't like to have to step out of their comfort zone. But if you walk with God, you'll find that God takes you through seasons where there is change. And you've got to be ready and maintain that covenant with God and trust that he'll be with you. Amen? No doubt about it, folks. So it's a a great day to be alive if you're alive, and I'm so happy we serve a God who's powerful and mighty like this. Blessed be the name of the Lord. All right, and talking about Joseph tonight, anybody got any questions or comments they want to add? This lovely, lovely story, Man Trusting God.